This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Here we are so soon, ladies and gentlemen, Friday. Friday already, here in New York's Big Apple. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you. It is, wow, what a week we've had. It's been an incredible week. The week's not over for us yet. We're here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And you're welcome. If you want to call the program, 800 848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. You know what? 1911, 1911, today, was an incredible day in New York's history. And those of you that don't really pay attention to history might not know this. There was a company in New York called the Triangle Shirt Waist Company. It was in Lower Manhattan, the Ash Building, 10-story building. But it was a sweatshop. And I mean sweatshop in every sense of the word, mostly filled with teenage immigrant women who didn't speak English. The building had four elevators. Only one was operational. That one could only hold 12 people. There were two stairways that led to the street from this 10-story building, but one was locked from the outside so that people could not come in, so that the workers would not steal things. That was really why it was locked. And the other only opened inward. The fire escape was shoddily built, couldn't support the weight of more than a few women at a time. And the building had, had before 1911, Two fires, one was in 1902, and the other was in 1907. It seemed that the two men who owned this workplace, gentlemen by the name of Blank and Harris, deliberately torched the workplace. Well, there was a third fire. On March 25th, 1911, it killed 146 workers in New York. This was a monumental event in New York history because the public was so outraged by what happened, the scale of death, that 80,000 showed up in the streets to protest the conditions. And after that, laws were passed that finally addressed conditions in New York City's sweatshops. 
Now, those of you who say, okay, you conservatives, you know, you guys are against big government. You guys don't like big government. You don't like rules, regulations. I would encourage you to just maybe open your minds a little bit because it's not true. What we don't like is excessive government. What happened in New York was worthy of government intervention. Because poor people, innocent people, have been sacrificed on the altar of greed. And as a result, the right thing happened. Of course, who was running New York back in those days? Ask yourself that question, because the same party pretty much is still running things now. And now we have a different kind of corruption in New York that affects all of us. Regular New Yorkers are angry as they can be over this this incredible unilateral action by Mayor Adams to let athletes and entertainers off the hook when it comes to the vaccine mandate and not even address the over 1,500 people that were fired from their jobs, city employees, workers of New York, who gave their blood, sweat, and tears to keep the agencies in this city moving and to keep this city moving, this act of cowardice by this mayor. And the anger is, you can read any of the New York newspapers, you can See, wherever this is being covered, that New Yorkers are angry. That these wealthy athletes, wealthy entertainers, are let off the hook. And especially after we had a caller that said he looked this up yesterday and he was right. Mayor Adams' pack received $1.5 million from the Mets owner, Stephen Cohen, when he ran for mayor. He was also joined by executives from the Yankees when he made his announcement that athletes would be first-class citizens in New York and the regular working people of New York would be second-class citizens and still have to abide by this unscientifically imposed mandate. There's another story making the rounds today that I want to address very quickly. Thank goodness, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has been discharged from the hospital. Justice Thomas is now 73. He had flu-like symptoms. And there's a report in The Hill that says Justice Thomas faces growing ethics questions after recent reports of his wife's aggressive effort to overturn former President Trump's electoral defeat and participation in the January 6th stop the steal. She went to the, she didn't participate. There's also a story about this CBS News. There could be more text messages between Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, Virginia, or Jenny Thomas, and Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, CBS News Chief Election and Campaign Correspondent, Robert Costa told CBS Morning. There might very well be text we haven't seen. 
29 were provided to the committee, 21 from Jenny Thomas to Meadows, 8 from Meadows to Jenny Thomas. They were part of a collection of over 2,300 text messages Meadows provided to the committee, but there are gaps. Now, Jenny Thomas, and by the way, I called Jenny Thomas today and had a beautiful conversation with her. I primarily asked how the Chief, how Justice Thomas was doing to what she said, and I will only just say he is resting comfortably and doing fine, and that's it. And I did talk to Jenny Thomas today about the justice's health, and that's pretty much it. But let me just tell you, I'm kind of sickened over this again because this has been a long political operation that is underway from Democrats to try to get at Justice Thomas through his wife's political activity. Uh, Jenny Thomas is her own independent person. She has her own mind, she has her own political beliefs, and she has her own claim to freedom under America's Constitution. She is a strong, independent woman, the type that Democrats and liberals say we are supposed to respect, only they don't respect any conservative woman who happens to be strong and who happens to also be in opposition to their radical designs for America. Now, if Jimmy Thomas believed that the elections were being conducted in an unfair way, she had every right to say so. Every American citizen does. That does not disqualify her, nor does it disqualify Clarence Thomas from anything. If you want to go biblical, we can go biblical here. Are the sins of the father uh, 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 cast upon the sons and and his daughters? No, they're not. Each individual bears responsibility for what they do. And in this case, Jenny Thomas has done absolutely nothing wrong. The New York Times lied about her and said she was a planner of the January 6th, what they like to call the insurrection. That was a blatant lie. She did nothing to plan it. And the planners told the New York Times that before they printed that salacious lie. I understand, I did not hear it, that my friend Don Bongino today was talking about this and said one of the reasons that this happens is because the left is not used to being out of control with anything. And the courts, they don't control right now. They don't control the Supreme Court. And this is all, and it is. This is so clear to anyone that looks at it. This is a political operation run by political operatives. And you know, you want to know the proof of where this is? That this is all just a political operation? Look no further than the than the campaign finance that's going on right now. Dear Move On member, this is from newmoveon.org. Breaking. Newly released text messages show the extent to which Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny Thomas, actively urged the Trump White House to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. And what do they do? What do they do? They claim they want Judge Thomas to be impeached. And what else do they do? They want money. They want the money from every Democrat sucker who will pony it up. This is nothing but Democrat Party politics. No crime has been committed. Nothing. Jenny Thomas has done absolutely nothing wrong. And the left has been coming after Clarence Thomas 
since the very beginning, since he was nominated. When we come back from the break, we're going to have our princess of policy, Diana Mee, join us. But before we go to the break, yeah, guys, we're going to play it. Remember this from Clarence Thomas's hearing? This is Joe Biden, the guy that now is the president of the United States, and Clarence Thomas. This is a three-minute cut, but I want you to listen to it and remember what the Democrats have been doing to Clarence, Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, from the very beginning. Play it. Committee will please come to order. Judge? Tough day and tough night for you, I know. Let me uh, ask, do you have anything you'd like to say before we begin? I understand that uh, your preference is, uh, which is totally and completely understandable, that we go one hour tonight, 30 minutes on each side. Is Am I correct in that? That's right. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Senator, I would like to start by saying unequivocally, uncategorically, that I deny each and every single allegation against me today that suggested in any way that I had conversations of a sexual nature or about pornographic material with Anita Hill, that I ever attempted to date her, that I ever had any personal sexual interest in her, or that I in any way ever harassed her. A second, and I think more important point, I think that this today is a travesty. I think that it is disgusting. I think that this hearing should never occur in America. This is a case in which this sleaze, this dirt, was searched for by staffers of members of this committee, was then leaked to the media, and this committee and this body validated it and displayed it at prime time over our entire nation. How would any member on this committee, any person in this room, or any person in this country would like sleaze said about him or her in this fashion, or this dirt dredged up in this gossip and these lies displayed in this manner. How would any person like it? The Supreme Court is not worth it. No job is worth it. I'm not here for that. I'm here for my name, my family, my life, and my integrity. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is not a closed room. There was an FBI investigation. This is not an opportunity to talk about difficult matters privately or in a closed environment. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. 
to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. That is Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas. And they are still trying to attack him. They are still mercilessly the same mob of smear artists, of dirt diggers, of slime balls are still attacking Justice Thomas through his wife. No, they have no shame, and you don't even have to ask. They are below the gutter of American politics. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. When we come back, Princess Diana joins us. Don't go away. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday afternoon. We check in with her royalnessness, her highnessness, her everything good and lightnessness, the one, the only, our very own princess who we worship and we, well, okay, no. we, we we adore her anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Diana Me, welcome, Diana. How are you? I am good. Thank you, Sir James, the Duke of AKA Bo Snurdly. I really appreciate that you played that soundbite by Justice Clarence Thomas. That is so important to remember. And the difference in quality between the accusation led by our now president, Joe Biden, and this marvelous, righteous response word perfect, looking Joe Biden straight in the eye. I don't know if you've seen the video again, but you see the discomfort on Joe Biden's face when he is basically confronted with what he did to this man. And it really galvanized national enthusiasm for the uh, uh, confirmation of this wonderful man. And he has been on the Supreme Court as one of the most influential, influential justices we have ever had. And so thank you for playing that. And thank you for the reminder. And our prayers are for his family. Thank you. I am sickened by this continued attack, even as they even as they go crazy and Cory Booker Spartacus cries over how wonderful it is to have this person there who doesn't know what a woman is. But anyway, I mean, and they have the, the nerve thing, at the Washington Dave, Post. One, one other thing to yes. add to that is that you know that whenever Peppermint Patty, the White House spokesperson, is asked about Hunter Biden, her response is always nasty. He's a private citizen. Well, Ginny Thomas is a private citizen, and they never use that argument when it comes to people they feel like attacking. Thank you much. Very quickly, uh, Princess Di, there's a story today in L.A. Times. There's been a big population drop in Los Angeles and in San Francisco. What gives? <laughs> well, it's not just those two places, although those are the worst. It's all Democrat areas. There has been a new census data release uh, yesterday by the U.S. Census Bureau. This is countywide differences in population over the last year. 
And of course, Democrat-run cities and counties are the worst, the hardest hit because everyone is fleeing them. And so it's been really, I think, a little bit entertaining to watch the news coverage of it because of the reasons they are giving for the big population drops in Democrat-run areas. They are blaming COVID. They're blaming, quote-unquote, the housing crisis. They're blaming the state of California is in flux. They're blaming dwindling birth rates and more work-from-home options that contributed to the population on the move. In other words, people are running away, and they can because of remote work, and they're doing it. They're voting with their feet. And uh, just to add to that, on social media, the response that I have been enjoying is threefold. Either the Democrats respond to this by saying it's all lies, it was all rigged, it was a Trump census, and none of this is true. And at the same time, (laughs) they're saying, well, I don't believe it because Republican voters are all dying of COVID, so there are fewer of them, so it can't be true. And the other response is by these same people basically saying, well, this only means that people are leaving Democrat-run areas and spreading blueness. So this is Democrat voters going to infiltrate Republican areas. So it's going to mean more Democrat votes instead of what's obviously true in that this is removing power from Democrat-run areas. These guys are amazing. Donald Trump, President, former President Trump, is suing, as you know, Hillary Clinton, the DNC, and a few other individuals over the Russian collusion hoax. Do you, when I first read this, the, the, the first thing, uh, uh, Princess Di, that I thought was, you know, this is why we love him. Yes. He fights back no matter what, and he doesn't stop fighting. Do you think that this is going to go the way, though, of, Once it gets to the court system, they're not going to ever let Hillary or the DNC be held accountable for their misdeeds. That's my take. What's your take on this? Well, before I say that, answer that question, I I have to agree with you and that he has demanded – Trump has demanded justice from every area, from special counsel, from the Republican Party, from the actual, you know, people in place to do justice who, you know, would be in the place like the Department of Justice in the executive branch to set things right. And he has gotten justice from none of these places. And instead, he is relegated to filing a civil lawsuit, which is what this is. And I think that it's interesting. I think that it's been the media has basically dismissed it, laughed at it, said, oh, this isn't going anywhere. Or they've said they're looking forward to deposing him because he will have to be under oath on his side of things. But here's the negative. The suit was instantly assigned to Donald Middlebrooks, who's the U.S. District Court judge, who was guess who appointed him? Obama? Bill Clinton. Bill no, Clinton. Bill Clinton. So, one. you know, right there, what is the likelihood? And who was the one who actually said out loud that, you know, we have 
you know, Republican judges and and Democrat appointed judges. And, you know, the chief justice immediately scolded Trump. This was during his presidency. There is no such thing as Republican uh, judges and Democrat judges. Well, we all know better. And so we have a Democrat judge who is likely, based on our own experience, he's likely to basically dismiss this and turn it aside. Now, good thing, you know, basically Trump can appeal it. But I think that this there's a couple of interesting things in there. He's he's accusing the defendants of obstruction of justice, unlawful hacking. And the thing that interests me, he's accusing them of theft of trade secrets, which is pretty creative because they actually, if you look at his campaign as a business venture, which he clearly was looking at it that way, they, by, uh, you know, getting into his email and listening in on him, surveilling him, using government to do so, they really did actually think that was theft of his own business at the time. So whether or not that being a creative approach will actually have feet, I do not know. But I think it's going to be interesting. Diana Mee, our wonderful, beautiful princess, we look forward to hearing from you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us with your always, always (laughs) unique insight. And we'll speak with you tomorrow. Thank you, Di. Thank you, Sir James. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. Now, you all know that we are celebrating Greek Independence Day here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming up at 440, we have a Greek-American who has done amazing things with his life and with this radio station. Make sure you're here and don't go away. We'll be right back. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Toto, hold the line, brings us back here on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. There is a new story that you should pay attention to today. Ukrainian families are being locked up in ICE detention centers, and guess what else? They're being separated from their families. This, according to the Daily Mail UK, dozens of Ukrainian families are being separated and locked in ICE detention centers in Louisiana. Immigration advocates claim the treatment appears to be a very, very far cry from President Joe Biden's promise to welcome Ukrainian refugees with open arms. Yeah. And after all that noise about the Trump administration separating the families, that's not who we are, even though Obama did it too. Here we go again, separating families. Let's see whether the liberals will have a hissy fit about this. Melvin, New Jersey, you're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy. What's on your mind this afternoon, Melvin? How you doing, Bo? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I listen to you all the time, right? But Mm -hmm. you know what I've noticed one thing about you? What? Anything that's of color, you always got something negative to say about it. Why is that? I'm just curious. I'm just asking. Well, questions. first of all, I disagree with your premise. Anything of color, I don't have anything negative to say about. In fact, you will not find anyone who is more supportive of black people in America achieving like all other American citizens, because after all, we are human too. Okay, now here's what I get mad at, Melvin. I get mad at the idea that black kids are killing black kids at horrible rates. Don't you? And if you don't, why not? 
I get mad that black women are now leading the world in abortions. In other words, it's a genocide of black babies, black life. I thought black lives matter. Don't you? I get mad when failing schools in New York, 242 of them, and most of them are in black neighborhoods. After years and years, the Democrats telling us that they're going to fix everything for black people. Why aren't you getting mad at that, Melvin? I get mad every time I see that there is lack of prosperity in my minority neighborhoods. I get mad when I hear that the only way black kids can get smart is if they sit next to white kids, like the white kids have to rub off some whiteness on them and that'll make them smart. We should be able to have black schools that achieve well in black communities like we used to have. I get mad at that, Melvin. Don't you? You got a lot of black kids in colleges as uh, as of today. Melvin, we have a lot more that aren't. I'm glad for the ones that are in college. Can you not open your eyes and see what what is happening to black people in America? Or are you so closed-minded behind your liberalism that you don't care? Excuse me? What's that? Why I got to be liberal? Why you know I ain't a Republican? Because you're coming at me like a liberal. If it walks like a liberal, if it talks like a liberal, if it quacks like a liberal, I think it's a liberal. Quack, quack. Anyway, I got to go. Thanks for the call, Melvin. Love you, bro. Call back. WABC Talk Radio 77. This thing, oh, he is. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a distinct honor. Uh, We have with us John Katsimatidis, who is the owner of WABC radio station. The reason I asked him to come today, we're celebrating Greek Independence Day. And I wanted to speak with someone of Greek descent who is an American through and through, but who has also lived the American dream. John, welcome to James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, on WABC. Well, James, uh, well, would you like me to call you James or Bo? Whatever works. I love both. Don't, yeah, well, Bo, I, I won't call you late for dinner. Okay. <laughs> John, you have done extremely well. You're the owner, you're the president, CEO of Gristides. You have the Red Apple Group, real estate, aviation company. You've got your fingers into a lot of pies. Now, a lot of people would look at your life and say, oh, this guy must have been born with a silver spoon in his mouth. How does any man accomplish that? This is America. It's, it's, no one can do, how did you do it, John? Only in America, land of opportunity. I came from the same rare places you came from. Uh, I was born in Greece. Uh, my father was a lighthouse keeper. Uh, we, his brothers helped, helped him come to America. I was six months old. We lived on 135th Street, uh, right in uh, Spanish Harlem, on the other side of the Morningside Park. And uh, my father uh, was obligated to his two brothers because they signed on the dotted line. As an immigrant, he had to, he had to sign to, that his two brothers had to sign for him to come to America that if he can't pay the rent, they had to pay it. If he couldn't pay for food, he, they had to pay it. And there's a Greek word called philotimo, which means that uh, honor for my family, honor for myself, honor. Uh, and my father worked as a busboy at Longchamp's Restaurant on 42nd Street in Lexington Avenue uh, five days a week. And then two days a week, he spoke fluent Italian. He would go to Astoria work as a waiter in an Italian restaurant. 
He works seven days a week so he doesn't embarrass himself to the family and, and let him for the family to pay his debts. So it's, uh, I, I, I try to learn from him. And I went to PS 192, uh, uh, right by City College. Uh, then my father said, oh, you need some religion. So he sent me to parochial school for, for about three years, four years, three years. And then I went to Brooklyn Tech, one of the specialized high schools in, in our city. And we have an excellent high school system in our city, or we did at that time. And, uh, um, and it's all about our, if somebody wants to work hard in America, the education opportunities are there. But you, you have to say to yourself, I want to work hard and do what I have to do to become a success. And nobody, nobody in the United States of America is going to hold you back, whether you are Greek, whether you are Jewish, whether you are black, whether you are Asian. Well, well they're trying to hold back the Asians now. They're trying to do they that. Said, they said you got too many Asians in Brooklyn Tech. I mean, which is wrong. You know, we need our education system to work. Absolutely. Hey, John, who gave you your first grocery store? Who gave you your success? Well, let me tell you something. I was working home. While going to college, I was working to, for a friend. Uh, I called him Cousin Tony, but he wasn't really my cousin. And when I, when I, he had a big Bonneville, the size of, uh, of a ship. Remember those old Bonnevilles? Yes, I do. Yeah. And when I had a hot date on a Saturday night, he would lend me to Bonneville, even though his wife yelled and screamed. And <laughs> I, but I learned how to work. And I go from extreme to extreme. And uh, uh, it, it, it's all about working hard and, and knowing what you want to do. And I, went, I was going to college. And during my uh, junior year, I think, or my senior year, junior year probably, Tony said to me that, um, and I never said no to Tony. Anything Tony said, you know, it was like, uh, I never had any brothers or sisters. He was like my big brother besides. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm having arguments with my, my uncle in the other store. I don't want to argue with him anymore. I want you to take over my half of the store. All I want, all I want is here's the keys. Sign uh, 10 notes for $1,000 a piece, $10,000. $1,000 a month? How do I know I can make 1000 a month? I didn't know that. So I said, well, okay. So while I go to school all day long, I'll work at the store all night long and go to Hunts Point Market at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I worked hard, and I paid off those notes, and I was making a lot of money. And me and his uncle never had an argument in our lives. Amazing. And from that, with one store that you worked to pay back the notes, no one gave it to you, you bought it. From that, you grew an empire. We went from one store to two stores to five stores to ten stores, and so on and so on. John, um, so, okay, now there are those in America who say, okay, that was then. It's different now. Things have changed now. There aren't that many opportunities now. What do you say to that? You know, there, the opportunities are there. When the, when the door knocks, you have to answer the door. John Katsimachidis, 
you are a living embodiment of the American dream. And you say that that American dream is still alive. It's still alive, Bo. And they're trying to kill it. And that, that's what. That's why me and you are working hard. They are trying to kill it. Kill it. And there is foreign influences in our in our country. Uh, they're attacking our legal system. They're attacking our education system. They're attacking our borders. And I can. I'm concerned for my my son, my daughter, and their grandkids to come. And that's what me and you are working for. Absolutely. I will say one other thing. You have a love of WABC that is just amazing. As you know, I have a history here, and I'm so happy to be back here. But I'm so happy for all of us that love, that grew up with WABC. I grew up with this radio station, John. I was, I was next to you. I grew up with it, too. When I was uh, six years old, I had a transistor radio with only three transistors in it. My iPhone has now 12 billion transistors. Right. And we listened to this radio station, and when the opportunity when, when the opportunity knocked, you took it and you bought WABC, and now WABC is returning to the glory. This is the most iconic radio station in America. We were America. number 28 in Nielsen ratings when I took over. We're now in the top three or four. John, hard work, the American dream, it all lives today. Thank you for joining us. Well, and thank John- you, both for, for working so hard to help make WABC. And I got that Coney Island apartment waiting for you. Wonderful, John. Thank you. And, yes, he's in real estate, too. That's John Katsimachidis. And, John, and, and Cats at Night comes up next right after this show. Make sure that you stay here for it each and every weekday. You know, this is an amazing opportunity, and and these opportunities come because of people like John Katsimatidis who take advantage of the dream that they have, and because they do that, they're able to help other people achieve their dreams. It's a wonderful thing. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, we're coming back right after this. Bo Knows Politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. You know who this is. I went to one of his concerts in Madison Square. Rod Stewart, do we have Maggie May anywhere? If we have Maggie May, somebody do a mix master mix and let me hear a little bit of Maggie May. But this is Do You Think I'm Sexy, the one and only, the Rod Stewart. You know, Rod Stewart is still performing. In fact, uh, he was at a friend of mine's studio a few days, a few weeks ago, preparing for his next show. And his voice sounds amazing still. This one is my favorite, my favorite Rod Stewart song. Saturday morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, have your first cup of coffee with me. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. We're here at 7 o'clock until 10. 
Let's head back to the telephones and talk with Christine in the East Village. Christine, welcome. James Golden with you here. What's on your mind this afternoon, Christine? James, I was just listening to you and Mr. Casamitidis, and I was a student in Hunter College in an honors program, double degree MABA, doing master's work in heavy-duty science. I had a GPA of 4.00, and uh, I offended the guy who was chairman of the Department of Anthropology. His name was Daniel Bates. He hated a paper I wrote, and he threw me out, but he he told his professors to give me Fs, and they got furious, and they told me. And they continued to give me A's, but the harassment was so bad that eventually I just, it was either fight all the way or drop out. I was there to study something and and invest in my future, and that's the way I was treated. Is this, I have the papers to prove this. It's incredible. Wow. wow, wow, wow. New York, the city of a zillion stories, and you've just brought us one, Christine, that is absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing us with that. Linda, Long Island, welcome. WABC, Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley. What's up, Linda? Hi, a.k.a. You are so great. I, I just, I, I don't know why. I just love listening to you. Thank I you. I love your voice, and I love, I especially love what you say. Um, now, my mood completely changed when you said, was yesterday, when you said uh, that Trump is going to uh, sue Hillary. Um, it went up so high, I couldn't believe it. Now, I think that we all suffered, really suffered, by having to put up with all her lies and everything she did. This, when uh, they're going to take over the Senate and the uh, the Senate, um, the House, we assume, in November. In November, we hope. We hope. We hope. We want, okay, we want, all of us want, there's millions of people, want our representatives to make sure that is televised. We all had to watch all the lies, everything everything that went on, you know, shifty shift. I have the proof, everything. Nobody could do anything about it. Uh, People I knew, I mean, very nice people. They weren't like, you know, crazy. They were Democrats, not nuts. They believed everything they saw and heard. Right. No. Now we should have the same opportunity to have them, I mean, let them, except for Rit, uh, Mitt Romney, who's you know thinks his father lost George, so he should be president. He's uh, he do- goes against everything. He's a Democrat. He should be a Democrat. But I think that we, sh- they should listen to us, to all of us, and have that televised and show they lie about Trump all the time and they get away with it. And you're she- absolutely right. Linda, we should have the, if this suit does happen and it doesn't get thrown out by a Clinton judge or an Obama judge, we should all be able to turn on TV and watch this progress and watch the, watch the evidence against Hillary Clinton be presented to the entire country. Couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for your very kind words. Love you, girl. Thank you. Mike, Staten Island, WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden. AKA love this show, uh, James. Uh, and I really appreciate you having me on. 
Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, you know, the, the city government, especially I, I see it in the parks department. You know, when you when you were sp- speaking about, uh, you know, with 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 Mr. Casamitidis about, you know, uh, values being under attack and, and the influence of foreign countries. You know, the parks department has been for a long time. They, they, they've been trying to do it and they, they did it quietly out here on Staten Island. You've been hearing all of this negative uh, uh, negative stuff about uh, Robert Moses, and they've been trying to tear down his name for years. And there was a place on Staten Island called Moses Mountain. They wound up renaming it uh, uh, quietly. They, they just took down the sign, and I know in Long Island they were trying to uh, take down a statue of Robert Moses in Babylon. In, um, uh, yeah, but you know what? All this stemmed from, there was a report that said that Robert Moses was um, a racist and that's one of the reasons he his architecture, like on the Southern State Parkway, he built the uh, overpasses so low so that buses couldn't take poor people out to the beaches, et cetera, et cetera. Then last year, very quietly, or the year before, there was another uh, uh, a well-researched article printed that debunked that notion that said that was all false. It was all fake news. So I guess the research, people are going to have to figure out on their own what they think Robert Moses' legacy was with regard to race. I don't think there's any question what Robert Moses' legacy is as an architect and as a builder. You know, America in New York has had some amazing builders, and he was one of them. So that part cannot be denied. Sam, Woodside, last word, but you got to make it quick. Time's running out. Uh, what role did Cyrus Vance Jr. and Scott S- Stringer make in the billion-dollar heist by Sherlane McCraig? What role now, did they play? We don't know. Now, I've heard conflicting figures, and it is not a billion that I've heard, but it is hundreds, it is millions of dollars that she was given to so-called come up with programs that would help the mentally ill. To this day... The money is unaccounted for. Maybe instead of Eric Adams trashing city workers and giving special breaks to the elitist athletes and to the elitist entertainers, maybe he might spend a few minutes trying to figure out where those millions of dollars went and see whether they can be recovered to help this city out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.